Welcome and thank you for tuning in to Black Women Amplified, the podcast. Your host, Monica Wisdom Tyson, brings you downloadable conversations that matter to women around the globe. We discuss all things black girl magic, amplify our voices, and transform our challenges into triumphs. Monica calls on her league of extraordinary women to push our boundaries, share their expertise, and stories of personal transformation. Welcome your host of Black Women Amplified, Monica Wisdom Tyson. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Black Women Amplified podcast. I am so excited that you're here. Mm, We are on episode seven. Ooh, God is good. Episode seven. In episode six, I talked about a little bit about Paris. So I said, well, episode seven, pivotal time, pivotal space, pivotal number. Let's talk about Paris. I'm going to speak Paris back into existence. It's a place I've been to about five times. And each time I've had a different experience and they were all amazing. Paris is a city of lights, the city of love, as they say. It's a grand place that I would describe as a center of culture. It's got the arts, music, fashion, dance, theater, all the things. And the energy is so powerful. It's like a laid back, cool New York, if you can imagine that. And it's a place where I found the freedom to fall in love with myself. Being from St. Louis, I didn't realize how much I was raised in a French cultured city. Little did I know that a little town in the Midwest, St. Louis, would be so much like Paris. It wasn't until I got to Paris and walked on the cobblestone streets and saw the brick houses and the the way that they were designed that I realized that it's like being at my, St. Louis is like being in my cousin's house because Paris definitely feels like home. Growing up, you know, I said before in episode six, London was the place that I always wanted to go. I loved watching British television. It just seemed like a cool space that was accepting. And of course, that was not my experience when I got there. (laughs) I experienced blatant racism in a way that I have never experienced anywhere else in the world. If you know me, I've literally, I've been around the world. And I can say of the places that I have been to, London was the most blatant racist place I have ever been in to the point where people wouldn't even open their mouths to say hello. And I've been to the South and I didn't think, I didn't expect to experience the attitudes of the South in London. And so when I, when I left London, I was like, I won't be back here. And I promise you, I never went back. It's, it was 1999 when I went and although I had fun, I did have fun. Uh, And I got to go to Notting Hill You know, I love British Notting Hill, one of my favorite movies. And London just was not one of my favorite places. It reminded me a lot of the United States. London is very, I should say, New York is very much like London. And and the interesting thing is it's a diverse city. It was one of the first diverse cities I've ever been to besides New York. But coming from the Midwest where everything at that time was black and white, 
I think I was really sensitive to the treatment as a black woman. So I say all that to say London, but Paris, ding, 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 ding. It rocked my world. It was like, like I talked about in episode six, when I got off the train, I literally started crying. And I tried to think about why was I crying? But what I realized is that although London was everything I despised about America, Paris was everything I dreamed that America would become. A place where I felt loved and accepted. People were curious about me, but there was no preconceived notions about me. And as a black woman to walk around a city and not feel like you're being watched, to not feel like you're being looked down upon, to not feel like you don't belong was, it was, <laughs> it was like, it was too much for my system. You know how computer overloads and it just shuts down. I had that moment. Like I literally had that moment where I just shut down because it never, I never felt like that before in my life. I don't remember how I was in, old I was in 1999, maybe 2021. 20, I had to do the numbers. But for the first time in my life, I felt a place where I could just be myself. Whoever that was, I didn't know who that was at that time. But whoever she was, she was happy. <laughs> she was happy. And it just reminded me of, as I was preparing for this podcast, have been online earlier and they were talking about there's this new show called Harlem. And uh, even I love New York, but ooh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn is that space. But they're they're on the radio. I'm sorry, on television. Now, there are seven shows that feature four black women as the head of each of these shows. And it was just like amazing to me that we have the ability now to put us on television in such a powerful way. And these shows are representing all the many selves that we can be as black women. Each character is so different. And what I discovered in Paris was the freedom to be that free to be myself, as opposed to being worried or cautious about what people are going to think, what people are going to say. Am I going to say the right thing? Am I going to say the wrong thing? Am I going to sound stupid? Am I going to, you know, all the, like the gremlins that are in our heads, like they got quiet in Paris. <laughs> I literally, one day I got up and I walked the streets for like seven hours. I went and sat in the park. I ate at a cafe. I went to the left bank. I went to the Seine River, just walked around just being a black girl in Paris. And it was such a beautiful experience. And it reminded me of the women, the four women in my life who truly made an impact that were from St. Louis and all of them left and went on these great adventures. So looking back, I was like, I was that girl in my early 20s who went on that great adventure. And those four women for me happened to be from St. Louis. And I realized that every part of my life has traced back to them in one way or another, not every part of my life, but many parts of my life. And those four women are Annie Malone, 
Maya Angelou, Alice Wyndham, and Josephine Baker. (laughs) And it's so beautiful because Josephine Baker was just honored as the first Black woman to be laid to rest at the Parthenon in France. Because truly, Josephine Baker put France on the map. Because who do we know before then? But who's that evil ruler's name? Uh, I can't remember his name. Everything is escaping me right now. (laughs) But I just remember Josephine Bonaparte. But anyway, so I'll talk about these women and how they trace back to things that I have accomplished in my life. Because here's the deal. I told you that I... My first trip overseas was because my mentor, Marsha Mock, told me it was time to travel. So once she passed away, the word that came to me was courage. So the courage to go forth. And I had to muster up that level of courage because when I was 13, my mother passed away. And at 13, you know, it's a pivotal moment for girls. And it's a time where our mind is shaped. And so when she passed away, I didn't get a lot of support like they have now for kids that go through things. It was just, you kind of had to figure it out. So me figuring it out, I started to look for mothers in my head (laughs) is the simplest way to say it. So four of those women, the women that I just mentioned, really, I watched them, I studied them and a piece of who I am attaches directly to them. So the first person I want to talk about, and I'm going to go through the four people really quickly, but the first person I'm going to talk about is Alice Wyndham. Alice Wyndham moved to Ghana in the late 60s when there were a lot of African-American people leaving the United States during the times of the civil rights movement, the times of Jim Crow, escaping to a place where they were loved. And Alice moved to Ghana. Alice worked with the ambassador or an ambassador to United Nations. I can't remember if he was the ambassador to Ethiopia or the ambassador to Ghana. But anyway, she ended up living there with a lady named Vicki Garvin, and she worked in Ghana. So there was a whole plethora of people who went. And in the midst of that, a woman from St. Louis, who she did not know prior to that, came to live with her, moved, took her and her son to Ghana. And that woman is Maya Angelou. So they ended up living together, Vicky, Maya, and Alice. And they just shook it up. <laughs> they stormed the United Nations. They made noise. They protested. And they organized Malcolm X's trip to Ghana and a couple of the other nations that he went to and Alice introduced him to several other Black expats who also are now, you know, venerated in in our culture. And the fact that she had the courage to leave St. Louis. Oh, she's my cousin. Leaving a strong family, great family roots, and just went on a big adventure. I always admired that. I remember my mom always talked about her. So she, I would, Say she's my mom's favorite cousin because she always talked about her cousin, Alice. And in doing that, always talking about her cousin, Alice, I fell in love with Alice. Like, who is Alice? I want to meet Alice. And so I remember one day going to her brother's house, Jack. And we went to her house and all the kids went down the basement and played. 
Well, Alice was just this beautiful chocolate woman, and she had on this African, long African dress and a head wrapped, wrapped around her head, and she looked like a queen. And so I sat in the corner, like behind, like on the side. I don't know if anybody saw me or not, but all the adults were talking, and she was speaking languages, and she had this slight accent, and she was just telling the stories, and she had the attention of all the people in the room. And I just instantly was like, I want to be like her. I want to travel the world. I want to be like that. And that is when I first got my bug to travel. I wanted to see the world. I wanted to experience something different. I had to be maybe six or seven, maybe. And, you know, what other girls were planning, I want to get married. I was like. Uh, Me and Barbie, we're going on a flight. (laughs) Me and Barbie get a passport and I'm going to have my suitcase and I'm going to roll across this world, just like my cousin Alice. And I did that. And later on, 2015, I got to check dates. I was in Ghana and I remember coming home and calling her and saying, Alice, I went to Ghana. And that was a a cool moment for us, but I'll talk about that at another time. And then from Alice, who's best friends with Maya Angelou, who I did not know that at the time, or growing up, my mom never talked about her because when she talked about her, she talked about her like somebody would talk about their cousin, my cousin Alice. I read this book called All God's Children Need Traveling Shoes. And in the book, she talked about this beautiful chocolate woman named Alice Wyndham. And I was like, Mom, Cousin Alice is in a book. And so I got to learn about Alice through the writings of Alice Wyndham, of of, uh, Maya Angelou. And in learning about the the writings, also, I just loved Maya Angelou. But I had no idea that they were friends or even knew each other. But it allowed me to learn how to express myself. Because when I was a kid, I didn't talk. And when I didn't talk, my mother knew that I needed to express myself. So she gave me, she sat me down one day and gave me a notebook and a pen and said, I know you don't want to talk about whatever's going on with you, but I need you to get it out of your body. So just being insightful, I started writing. And then once I consumed the the work of Maya Angelou, That's when I started writing poetry and expressing myself that way. And that's where I connect back to Maya Angelou. Then there is Annie Malone. Annie Malone, another St. Louis woman who created leaders. She created a system. She created a beauty product. She created an avenue for Black women to make money outside of the home, besides cooking and cleaning for white folk. And I call her the early, she was the blueprint for Mary Kay and Avon and all of these other product systems or multi-level systems that people are into now. But definitely she was a blueprint for Mary Kay. And she also produced Madam C.J. Walker. So the hair industry was always something that was I don't even know where I got it from because there wasn't anybody in my family. So I can only trace that back to Annie Malone and Madam C.J. Walker. That's the one thing that really 
even though when I went to college, I wanted to be an accountant, but that was the one thing that really I found joy in. That was another thing I found joy in. It was, it was my entryway into the arts community was through hair. And so Annie Malone definitely had a strong hold on uh, the life that I created for myself. And then the final person, Josephine Baker. Oh my God. I would just look at pictures of Josephine Baker all through the magazines. And I couldn't believe it that I found out she was from St. Louis, that she was raised here and she left and went on a big adventure. And I always wanted my life to be a big adventure and be big like hers. And wasn't just about the entertainment, which she blew the world away with her ability to capture an audience and to dance and to sing and to perform. But she also did a lot of philanthropy work and she also did a lot of work with helping other people. And all of those ladies did that. And that was something that when I created my mom's in my head, like with a blueprint of what life should be as a woman, those four women captured me and they were able to keep me focused out of trouble with they didn't even know it. <laughs> Some people call them their mentors in their head, but they were definitely my mothers in my head. And because of that, it gave when Marsha said, it's time for you to go overseas. I didn't hesitate because in my head, I always knew it was, would happen. I just didn't know when. And so when it happened, it was like an answered prayer. I couldn't believe that I was in Paris and not just in Paris, having a magnificent time being in a place where I felt loved, where I felt wanted, and where I felt connected on a soul level. It was totally different than going to Africa. This was like I said, going to your faith. It's like going to my, if you know me, I talk about my and Christy all the time. It was like going to my and Christy's house. And just sitting there and being completely comfortable sitting on the couch and not worrying about a damn thing that has to do with anything about life. (laughs) And that's what Paris is for me. And because of that, I've been several times. The last time I was there, oh, so Ghana was, oh, I got to get these dates. I need to write a timeline of my life. The last time I was in Paris was Thanksgiving 2014. And that was, oh, that was the year I had just finished, not that it's ever finished, but just finished on a stint of protesting. And a friend asked me if I, it was her, she wanted to go, it was her first overseas trip. So it's like a full circle moment. And her first overseas trip was to Paris. She's like, please come with me. I don't know anybody else who's been and who would know the place. And I don't want to go by myself. You want to come? Sure. Packed up my bag and guess where I headed? Back to Paris. And went there for Thanksgiving. I wish I could go every Thanksgiving. It's the best thing ever. But the first time I went, what also struck me was that I met the most incredible people. And I remember them vividly. And I met them. I met DJ Gregory and I met Arno and I met Samantha and Sylvie and some other colorful characters. And we spent so much time together. 
having conversations. And I was like, this is so cool. None of them asked me what I did for a living. They didn't ask me what high school I went to. They didn't ask me, you know, about anything. We just had conversations about topics and life. And we were curious about each other. They were curious about America. I was curious about France. And the shit that they did on their weekends off, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go to a baseball game. It was like, oh, my friends and I are packing up for the next four days and we're going to go rent a castle on the countryside and then we're going to stay there. We're going to all bring food. We're going to cook and we're just going to do our thing. I said, these are my people. Where have you all been all my life? (laughs) They weren't going to Memphis to the barbecue place. No shade on Memphis and the barbecue places. They were going to rent a castle on the countryside. Who are you people? And I met this lovely lady named Samantha who was dating Arno, who was gorgeous. I don't know where his people were from, but I want to go there too. That man was fine. And Samantha worked for Procter & Gamble. And... You know how companies have many divisions. I don't remember exactly what she did, but something in the financial realm. And so she was stationed in Paris. She didn't want to leave Paris. She literally sold everything, quit her job because they were about to send her back to the States. She's like, I'm never going back to America. Quit everything, sold her job. Mind you, high level executive, high level executive. And then she sold everything resigned from her job. And the last I talked to her, she was walking, working at a coffee shop in Paris, happy as hell. I was like, these are my people. (laughs) So the one thing about Paris is it is a place where, like my friend Belinda says, most cities you go to the museum, but Paris is the museum. You literally just walk around. There's nothing to do. There's no place to be. There's no responsibilities. You just walk and have an adventure. And each day is different. Now, if you're some people, they'll plan out all the things they want to see. But I, every time I go to Paris, my attitude is always, I'll be back. I don't need to see all the things. What I need to do is have the experience of walking down these streets, saying hello to people, bonjour, taking the train, taking the bus, taking a cab, doing anything that I want to do in the moment that I'm in. So it taught me how to stay in the moment and just enjoy it instead of thinking about the future or thinking about the past. So that, ladies and the gentlemen who love us, is my Paris. I could tell so many more stories about the nightclubs, (laughs) the parties, Oh my God, the party when you come out and it's seven in the morning (laughs) and you go to breakfast and then you go to bed, much like New York, much like my times in New York. But the difference between it and New York is I felt safe and I felt loved and I felt cared for. And it was a place that I felt like I could live there and I almost moved there. Sometimes I wish I had. I had the opportunity to do it. I was asked to run a salon in Paris. Turned down the opportunity. I don't regret turning down that opportunity because I don't think that was for me. 
a girlfriend of mine went in my place and it was an opportunity for her. She ended up marrying a man, got married and lived in Paris for like seven years. So I was just the avenue for that. But at the end of the day, I think one day I'll live in Paris. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to episode seven of the Black Women Amplified podcast. Thank you for listening to Black Women Amplified. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to subscribe and log on to blackwomenamplified.com for more information. Keep shining. Keep shining.